Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. everybody, I'm Lizzie. And I'm Joe. We're from the band Hailstorm. And you're listening to Middle Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Melt Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 320 and continuing on with the 72 Seasons theme here. We just had a new song come out, Screaming Suicide. We're going to do a deep cut dive on the song and Clint is going to be in the driver's seat playing some guitar today. As usual, we've taken the, the sauce given to us by Metallica and we've broken it down to its bare essence, to its bare essentials. And we've laid them out for everyone to see. And uh, Ethan took care of the drums and the bass. If you're not familiar with the Deep Cut Dives, where we take a Metallica song that hasn't been played very much, generally ignored. The new songs fit the bill because they've literally never been played. Right. No one's ever heard them. And we just investigate them from a musical standpoint, from a musician standpoint. Ethan and I were just talking before we started rolling, which, by the way, welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody. Hello, welcome. welcome. to Metal Up Your Podcast. Still getting new listeners uh, every week. So if you're uh, hopping on the ride with us, nice to have you. Welcome to the six-year party that we've been having. That's right. Yeah, with all aboard. But Ethan and I, what we're going to start doing, and this is this will interest all you music nerds out there, is we're going to take the individual stems from doing this project, which, by the way, this is a very time-consuming episode series because we have to learn all these songs and record them. We try to record them well. Ethan programmed all the drums, and so, but we're going to make all the stems available. So any of you musicians out there, or if you just want to hear them, you're going to be able to hear the solo by itself, each of the both left and right guitars, the bass, the drums, and we're also going to release like a high, like a, a well mixed version of the song, like instrumental, right. that you can sing along to, or you can jam to it. I'm, I'm going to do a version of it that doesn't have any of the leads, so that you can basically play lead to it if you want, or we can just do a drums and bass version, so you can jam with some guitars. So that's right, yeah. Um, I'm excited about that, and Ethan's going to retroactively make the Lux Eterna deep cut dive those stems available too. So. Absolutely. I'm excited about that. So before we jump into the song, uh, we've got some housekeeping. You want to steer the ship on the housekeeping? Yeah, let's do it. Well, as everyone knows, the big news story of the week is Screaming Suicide was released and the video is released uh, as recording this yesterday, but on January 19th, really kick-ass video directed by uh, Tim Sassenti, uh, uh, I think it's pronounced. Yep. Has a cool vibe, kind of like the Lux Eterna video where it's a performance video, but it's all black and white, real grainy. There's almost some shots where there's like a close-up of james like almost below the eyes where it reminds me of like the unforgiven video or something yeah it's very it's got that kind of grayscale dark vibe yeah, for sure real cool and moody and, uh, I, and i will say too about the video it does seem like there there are these like um it's almost like b shots of like ambient looking stuff it's like water and stuff that kind of looks like the cover of load and reload yeah i've seen some uh, actually some comments on that you know people kind of pointing that out but I, man, I think the video is real fun the song kicks ass we're gonna obviously I mean, are you telling me i'm not the first person to think of that well, I saw the comments after you. I just saw them just now after you said that. It was pretty quick. I just refuse to accept that other people have had thoughts about Metallica <laughs> that are not unique to me. 
I hate right, it. Ex- exactly. Well, obviously, we're going to do a deep cut dive right now on this episode, or you're here shortly. But this was, you know, anytime Metallica releases anything new, it's a very exciting time. The internet explodes, or Discord explodes, I'm sure the message boards, all that stuff, you know, and uh, doing a deep dive into this, you know, even just me programming the drums, you know, early this morning and tracking bass, it's like, it's a chance to, to really hear it almost over and over again. And man, I, I, I'm really digging the song. I do too. There are things about it I like more than Lux. I think the chorus of Lux is just the perfect arena rock stadium song that everyone's going to enjoy singing. Yes. As I've spent more time, and we're going to get into this, I think we touch on it in the emails too. Lyrically, Screaming Suicide's not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. It's a little too on the nose. I love the message. I love the Papa Het trying to take care of his people and trying to give give a voice to the voiceless and to name these things that, that he mentions in his little blurb about it, you know, the taboo of the word suicide. I am 100% on board with the messaging of the song, big time. Yeah. I think it's a little too on the nose for me for, to get like yeah. really excited about the lyrics. But hey, it's not a big deal. I think musically, I like it more than Lux. Pound for pound, the riffs, I think it, you know, it, it explores more. Because Lux is like a, just a very great shot in the arm. Like it's just a oh, thrashy, yeah. really quick punch. It's great. This has got a little more twists and turns, even than I thought when I first heard it. Obviously, when we start breaking it down, it's like, Wow. Okay, that only happens once, and this is an interesting way they connect this piece to this piece. Yeah, and a couple like you know uh, measures that are a little bit longer than others. Right. And they're, they're, yeah, there was a lot more to it when, when you start really breaking it down. Which is the case with I think every time we've done this, we've maybe what done ten of these. Mm-hmm. Even when we would do the ones like from the Black Album, songs that I've listened to a million times. Once you kind of get them under your fingers, you're like, wow, man, this really is a little more complicated than I thought. I, one of the reasons, one of the aggregate reasons that they're the best is because you really see that they go the extra mile. Especially when it comes to like bridges, solos, key changes, calling back to a main hook. Like it's not mm-hmm. very copy and you know they only have one copy and paste record. We all know what that is. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this is kind of more hardwired ish, a little death magnetic. It's not as ambitious or progressive as death magnetic, but yeah, for sure. This kind of sounds to me like a hardwired song. It sounds like a hardwired song. There, there are some things in there. And I know, I know, we kind of touched on this when we did our quick emergency episode. You know, like minutes after the song got released. There, there are uh, some of those riffs, if you kind of took away the, the drum track or made it halftime, it would almost feel like some load riffs, you know, really just like that main, you know, that whole thing. But yeah, overall, more of a hardwired feel. Uh, feel. You're right. Especially the production, the sound of it, which that's not going to shock anybody. It's Greg Fiddleman. They made it at the same place with the same microphone, same outboard gear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like 72 Seasons is shaping up to kind of be a sister record to, uh, to Hardwired. I've got no problem with that. Like, I don't think it's going to be a very different thing, which, yeah, I agree with you. No problem. No problem whatsoever. You know, they've got that in their catalog. I Obviously, Load and Reload are born in the same fire. Right. I actually really, truly believe, I've said this for years now, but I really believe that Death Magnetic is a sister record to Justice. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the spiritual successor, and I think I think Lightning and Puppets are sister records. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I totally agree with that. So, I mean, it makes sense that this would be a sister record to Hardwired. And like I said a second ago, I have no problem with that. Uh, at this point in their career and at their age, I mean, uh, I don't know if they have it in, in in their you know in their souls or their hearts to really get crazy ambitious again, like they have in the past with 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 taking a really hard left turn. So to do like a business as usual kind of record is what they've been doing the last you know five six seven years. I'm on board. Yeah, I agree. No problem. I kind of just accept where they are and who they are, and and I don't even mean that in like a. I guess I'll just settle for this like. 
this is the Metallica we're getting. I mean, this is, and it could be, it really could be quite bad. Like we're lucky that the level is still very high with them. Even my kind of complaints about the lyrics are actually pretty meager when I think about how far they've come, what all they've accomplished, the fact that they're still doing it at a high level. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm happy. I'm a happy fan. I totally agree. Uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, other thing in the news, which is, uh, was obviously, um, everyone knows this, but single show tickets went on sale on January 20th. So for those of you that did not get any like VIP packages, the I Disappear ticket. The $8,000 platform. Yeah, the, well, me and Clint got a couple of those just for fun. Just for fun, yeah. I'm not even yeah, going to go. Yeah. I just wanted to buy them. No, I, I thought it'd be hilarious to to have people talk about an empty platform at a Metallica show. I thought that a was, real knee slapper. <laughs> it really is. So if you didn't get the you know one price for two show thing, you can currently, as we're speaking, get the single show tickets, which is going to be exciting. In another bit of news, this isn't uh, any kind of dig on Metallica, but uh, just a few hours ago, as we're recording this, an article came out on Metal Injection where Kerry King says Dave Mustaine with Metallica, it quote was way more extreme than what I thought metal was or could be. He told um, Metal Hammer in their in their latest edition that Metallica were great at that point. They were ahead of Slayer by at least sixteen months to a year. What's he talking? He, he's talking about the, the the Mustaine era. He's like honing in on uh, you know November of nineteen eighty one. He's he's honing in on pre Kill 'Em All, and he's saying they were great then. What's he talking about? He says they were doing originals, uh, and we were and we were still doing covers. But Metallica also was doing covers too pre Kill 'Em All, mostly covers. He says, I think, uh, he goes, I think we opened for Metallica with Mustaine. I can't recall, but I know me and Dave Lombardo definitely saw them in a club and were blown away by Mustaine. I, I don't know what prompted this. I mean, I'm, this is a very short article on Metal Injection. Uh, and he says, still to this day, he's a fucking great guitar player. Uh, it was very awesome. It wasn't big clubs. You could see from anywhere. And I was just enamored with seeing Mustaine play these insane leads and James Hetfield playing these insane rhythms and barking out these lyrics. It just seems weird to hone in on that. Like, it seems it, it seems to me like a dig. It's It, it seems like a little bit of a dig because it's kind of like, well, I mean, yeah, that was great and all. You saw that live. Wonderful. But, I mean, what about Master of Puppets? What about Justin? Well, what know? about I mean, Screaming Suicide? It's like they just released a new song. And you're like, you know what was really good? You know when they were great? Uh, 40 years ago <laughs> when they probably honestly weren't very good. You know what I mean? I've, yeah, I've, for seen, sure. I've seen videos of that. It's, you can see the power, you can see the raw like talent, Yeah, but I'm not sure I would describe anything I've seen or heard as great. When you think about what they did after that, think about 1986, dude, battery is great. Think about Seattle 89, talking about a great live show. I mean, they were on, fire in that year i mean so it is i don't know it's just it's a weird kind of thing he just says out in the press all of a sudden like that you know the day of or right after a brand new song comes out he makes it hard to like him he's he's a very kind of yeah. unlikable character like obviously props to carrie king and to the mighty slayer the you know definitely one of the four pillars of thrash metal like a, a sure. true architect of heavy thrash great music i kind of get the get the vibe that he now that slayer has been broken up for a while that he's just grumpy i mean it was recently where he said he felt angry you know how, how slayer's time was cut short and you know uh even says it right here uh he says my heroes from my childhood are still playing yeah while, while he sat on the sidelines it's like well dude your your bandmate and homie for your entire career was having health issues and like pain in his body and couldn't keep going that's why they broke up 
It sounds like he's just he's just kind of jealous that everyone uh, the, uh, the the big three are still going on without him. Well, it's got to be hard to you know be at home when you want to be playing. But um, of course, I've never seen an interview. I, you know, I've maybe seen one. I did see one interview with him where he seemed like a cool guy. That yeah, just the one where he just uh, one. <laughs> well, there was a time when he had a signature Marshall head. It was like a JCM nine hundred. You know, some some like eighties Marshally thing. Right, and he was actually talking about. He's like, you know, when I was a kid, I loved Marshall amps, and now, now, like, I work with Jim Marshall, and we we have like a Kerry King Marshall, and he was just, you could just tell he was very grateful and humbled by the idea that he had accomplished enough to have his own Marshall amp. Like, yeah, it it just came off the way that you hope those kind of conversations do, where he just seemed really proud and grateful, and I was like, oh, there's a human being under that bald head, under the under that big heavy Home Depot chain. There is a human being. Because other than that, now, you know, I've watched a lot of Kerry King interviews, maybe ten or fifteen. Like I've seen him say weird stuff about Hanneman, even after he passed away, and like, yeah, just kind of generally be kind of a shithead. Yeah, I kind of get the vibe that he's just he's like a whatever fifty something year old true that just like is still kind of stuck in this like heyday of what slayer was and stuff like that just be proud of what you did man it's like you huge accomplishments over their career and it's like now november of 81 when metallica was playing in a in a in a high school cafeteria at 11 a.m now that's when they were great yeah that was the time to see <laughs> when they were playing eight diamond head covers i know he's i know he's kind of you know complimenting mustaine and his abilities which yeah props to him he's a great guitar player but sure it it just does seem kind of like a, a pretty big dig on the entirety of their career after that you, you know? know when they were good <laughs> when they were babies it's like Man, dude, back then it's like dude they <laughs> they only got better after that yeah i mean i guess you could argue early 2000s there was a little era there that of course where they were just kind of strange shells of themselves i mean i, I honestly man I'm, I'm on a weird the journey of our podcast the six years has really brought me through a lot of different areas of saint anger right Mm-hmm. I'd never spent as much time with it as we had to for the podcast. And I really found things in it that I never knew existed and like really come around in some ways to all of that. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, especially now, like I'm, I think I'm, I'm moving way out of it where I'm, I'm thinking about St. Anger and I'm like, they were shells of themselves. I mean, it, yeah, you know, that's a weird time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're grateful for that time and that they got through it in order to become the band that they were yeah, yeah. for really the last 20 years now. I mean, it's 2000, it's 2023 now. So, but you know, and we kind of touch on, you know, St. Anger, uh, a little bit in the email uh, corner. Oh, so okay, cool. It'll come, it'll come back up for a second. But anyways, that's all for the news. Uh, we got some new patrons, which we're going to give them a quick shout out. We have Jacob, we have God damn it, Joseph. <laughs> Uh, Braxton uh, Nezovich and Z. Thank so, you, guys. Give it up. A round of applause. Really appreciate you guys supporting us at Patreon over there. You're going to hear a commercial for it later. We give you all sorts of stuff that we can, but at the very least, you get a shout out on the show. So there you go. Immortalized on Metal Up Your Podcast. Thank you, guys. Forever through time. We're on all the socials. You know what they are. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the Metal Tales? Speaking of Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, that's right. Yeah. So we have a, we have a shared document right now where we're filling in names for the M72 tour. So Look at us sharing documents. Uh, man, we just share documents. That's, that's how far we've come in this podcast. We share documents over Dropbox. <laughs> Um, if you uh, are a patron or want to get on the Patreon train, one of the biggest perks we offer is for you to come on the show with either Clint or I, and you get to talk about your experience at one of these shows on the M72 tour. Now, there's not a ton of shows in the grand... Over the course of two years, it's not a lot of shows. It's like 44 or something. Right. So now's the time to sign up for Patreon. If you're already on there and you haven't done the Metal Tales, we, we do want to give priority to the people that have not done them yet because we want everyone to have a chance. 
but it is a good time. We get to you get to tell your Metallica story, which is kind of my favorite part of, of the Metal Tales, to be honest. I agree. Same. Um, and then talk through the show, some cool songs, and these are unique set lists. So, and each person, you know, can sign up for one show per city, as they're doing two shows in each city. So, hop on the Patreon train, sign up for Metal Tales. All you got to do is email us, message us, let us know. We'll let you know if that city is available, and we will sign you up. Quick update on going Supernova. A good friend of mine who has been doing the artwork, who did all the artwork for Lunar Satan and for Vampire, he's just been dealing with some intense stuff personally and had to sure. back, had to bail on helping me put that together, which just caused some problems with me getting the record done. The good news is uh, a lot of it did get done. And our homie, OG listener Stan Pearl, who is a graphic artist himself, mm-hmm. is graciously helping me put the finishing touches on that. So it's getting done next week. The good news is, in the meantime, I wrote two extra songs for the project that I love that uh, that are going to be on the record. So this, the album's going to have two extra songs. Hell yeah. All the vinyl's going to go out. There's a couple of guitars that got sold. We're going to do like a Zoom hang. We're doing a Zoom hang where we're going to open up the recording sessions and like go through the stems. That's going to be awesome. Which is fun. And there's a bunch of Going Supernova uh, magnets. And I'm making 10 unique mixtapes of songs that influence the album. And of course, you're on the drums on almost, I think, 10 out of the 12 songs. So Hell yeah, dude. Well, I, I, listen, I, I can't wait to get that vinyl on the turntable. It's going to be great. The record ribs. It's super fun. It's 12 rock and roll songs. Chris Kakamisi, who is a friend of the show, Metal Pre Podcast listener, amazing bass player who played bass on all the Lunar Satan stuff. He's all over the bass. I think it's really just me, you, and him on most of mm-hmm. it. Uh, my friend Rachel's on a few songs, and then our buddy Nate Sexton's on one of the songs playing drums. So, hell yeah, the majority of it. We're, I mean, we're kind of like Rush or the Police, a great power trio. Only more talented, but yeah, we are similar to them, just a slightly bit more talented <laughs> than both of those amazing bands. Um, so, there's the going supernova update. Easiest way to get a hold of us is our email address, which is metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail dot com. We're gonna check in on the Metal Up Your Podcast family, see what's going on, and then we're gonna do the deep dive into Screaming Suicide. Let's go. Let's go. Here, 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 here. I, I declare the email portal time. Okay, our first email is from Braxton Nezovich, who is, as you just heard, a new patron. Thank you, uh, Braxton. Braxton says, by the way, you like Tony Braxton. Braxton? Love Tony Braxton. Listen, if, listen, if you're if you're uh, you know if your significant your significant other and yourself would like to procreate, yeah, that's put, a, put on some Tony Braxton, man. I mean, yeah, even if I mean, you need to be careful if you put on Tony Braxton because yeah, because the love making will be in the air for sure. <laughs> I mean, shoot, dude. I mean, I don't know how many kids have have been conceived to Tony, but I'm sure it's it's up it's up there. And if you really want to, if you really want to seal the deal. Do a little double spin of Tony Braxton into a little bit of Sade Lover's Rock. Oh man, dude, that that is all just baby making music right there. You're not gonna leave the bedroom. You're gonna you're gonna lose your job. You're gonna lose everything <laughs> because you're gonna be in that bedroom for probably six months because of I know. Tony. I know. Well, anyway, that listen, bit of advice is free. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Anyways, Braxton says, "Good day, how do, brothers?" Just started listening about a month ago, and I've been loving every minute of it. So I decided to become a patron. I've been skipping around the episodes quite a bit, ranging from your very first episode all the way up to today's reaction of Screaming Suicide. Can't wait for the deep dive into this one. Well, here we are. Oh, well, here we are. We're here there now. Right now. I will keep this short as I'm sure I'll be writing more in the future, but I wanted to thank everyone uh, who plays a role in this amazing podcast. It gets me through the day, and it feels like I'm sitting there with you guys talking about our favorite band. Can we take a second, though, and thank all the people involved? Because he wants to thank everyone involved, so I'd like to do that now if you don't mind. Everybody, go for it. 
I would like to thank you, and I would like to thank myself. The end. The end. Bye. And Paul. Let's, let's say Paul. No, I'm not going to thank Paul. That's true. Paul hasn't edited any episodes. He doesn't do the hard he's stuff. A, he's a slacker. He just brings his beautiful, beautiful sauce, but he doesn't, you know, he's not, he doesn't make the podcast. Yeah, there's no staff. We, we are the staff. We're, we, we're are the the sta- we are the staff. We're, we're on the board of directors. Um, right. We own all of the uh, shares. And um, mm-hmm. I w- that's why I would like to personally thank you. And I would also like to ex- extend a, uh, a thank you to myself as well. So, And if I may, I would like to uh, go ahead and thank you, Clint, and also thank myself. Yeah. Well, you're both welcome. I'm talking to you and to me. Yeah, and you're both welcome as well. <laughs> he ends by saying, thank, uh, thanks again, guys. Keep up the awesome work. Uh, and uh, Braxton from Rock Springs, Wyoming, a suburb of New Jersey. P.S. Uh-huh. Guest appearance by Tumbleweed Run. I heard a tale that a bald man with a tattoo on it who played in the band Slayer. I heard him say that Metallica was at the best when they were 18 years old in the cafeteria. That's crazy, boss. And James Hetfield had a leopard glove. He was in a band called Leather Charm, and I told him, he's a wanted man, dead or alive. And I walked in there with my bass, and I can't remember what kind of bass it was, but it was white. Why does the moon, why does the moon shining on wanted men as I collect their bones and their skulls? (laughs) And their skulls. I, I collect their heads and their skulls. I cut off their hair. And I wear it sometimes at night in the full moon and wolves cry in the distance. And I'm like, hey, I'm Tumbleweed Ron. And this ain't no laughing matter. We got any wolves out there? We got any wolves out there? Ow. Ow. Anyway. Those weren't sound effects, by the way. Those were actually, uh, those weren't real wolves. <laughs> We've really, yeah, we was, uh, like we just said earlier, there's no production team here except for us. So. <laughs> Everything is done in-house. Thank you for the email, Braxton, and thank you for becoming a patron. It really means a lot to us, dude. I hope you enjoyed this deep dive that's about to come up. Daniel Orvoma writes in and says, Hi, guys. Tell me I'm wrong, please. You're wrong. <laughs> I mean, if you want me to, if you, you want to beg me. You to. He says, Unfortunately, I'm not that impressed by Hetfield's recent lyrical efforts. He says, I mean, they already have a classic song about suicide and one called Cyanide and one called Suicide and Redemption. Is he running out of things to say? I guess the album was already in the can by the time he got divorced, so we can't have that emotion in the lyrics. But maybe write about the government admitting that UFOs are real or some shit. That's, leave that to Dave Mustaine. <laughs> totally. Or uh, the Blink-182 guy. Tom DeLong. Yeah, he's real nice. Have you shit. heard Hanger 18 yet? I wrote that about that a long time ago. <laughs> he says, I'm as ecstatic as the next guy about the fact that there's new music and a new tour. Been waiting since Metallica Mondays on YouTube early in the pandemic. Revived my obsession with the greatest band ever to play. But that doesn't mean these songs are instant classics, right? Luke's Eterna is short and snappy and fun, but the lyrics are a tad lazy with the string of shuns in the verses. The Latin is also somewhat off-brand for a punky, quote-unquote, working-class band, the People's Metal. The lyrics of this second single are, and it saddens me to say it, not much better. I thought Hardwired was a great return to form for Het in terms of lyrics after a lot of weird stuff on Death Magnetic, but so far, 72 Seasons is repeating old Talica thematically and even literally. P.S. The intro rip sounds like Kirk's handwriting, correct? Love, Danny, from Brighton, UK, New Jersey. He says it's cold as effing New Jersey right now, that's for sure. Um, first, <laughs> first of all, when I read Danny's email, I, I got to admit, it really did resonate with me. And, yeah. um, you know, I want to keep it real, Ethan. I want to I want to keep it uh, keep it fresh with the hot that's takes. That's what we do. And I really don't want my love and gratitude for this band to get lost. Um, so I don't, I don't want to just sound like a complaining guy. But I, I got to agree with him. I, I was talking to... Um, our friend Zach uh, Rickard, 
who is the guitar tech for Brothers Osborne, who was putting in pickups the other day, which, by the way, shout out to our friends at Seymour Duncan. Derek Duncan. Um, thank you to them for, they've, they've hooked us up with some gear the last few years, and he just sent us some pickups, and my friend Zach was putting them in, and we were talking about looks at Turner. He's a metalhead. He loves, you know, heavy metal and shit. Right. And uh, he was telling me he's not so up on looks at Turner. And that kind of caught me off guard, and I kind of started to think about it through his eyes, because I still love the song. Yeah. But I did realize that I've listened to that song since it came out, like, you know, every day or every couple of days, and I don't know the words. And it's because those shuns get so repetitive and so, like... Yeah. Like, I don't know what the words are. I know... You know like, like on the Bridge of Blackened. Exactly. That's a nation, that's a nation, and planet yeah. dies. Um, <laughs> yes. And like Screaming Suicide also... I love the theme of it. Like, I love what he's saying. Like, the idea that the light that shines in the darkness, and that's what this is, and we're at a concert, right. and this brings it. Like, I, I like all. It's a little kind of kumbaya, honestly, but I do like it. Yeah. But I got to admit, there's nothing really grabbing me lyrically. And it, it made me think, like, what were the great lyrics on Hardwired? Like, Moth, Halo and Fire. But, like, I think the last really great lyric that really blows me away still when I read it. Is stuff off Death Magnetic like Judas Kiss? Unforgiven Three has got some good stuff. Unforgiven Three is so great, and yeah. like, all nightmare long, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. What do you think? I mean, wh what um, do you think about the, yeah. the lyrics? I mean, Danny's here saying basically he feels like they're kind of rehashing stuff. He's mentioned Cyanide, songs about suicide and redemption. Yeah, I mean, I know it's it's not necessarily like a new territory for James to kind of like harken back to some of their old stuff, uh, whether that be two records ago or eight records ago, whatever. But um, lyrically for me, I, I think I'm in a little bit of a different boat. I, I, I totally understand what you and Daniel are saying about the lyrics. But I think because, you know, you have, the, you have this pedigree of songwriting that, that far surpasses me. And uh, you're a, a great lyricist and you're, just, you're a lyrics guy. You really pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. I think when it's a new song by a band I love first comes out, I, I just spend, a, you know, at least a few days, if not a week, listening to it and just absorbing the whole vibe of it. And I'm just excited. Like, I don't want to dive in too deep at first because I, I don't want to get disappointed, <laughs> you know, in a way. Yeah. But I, I do understand, uh, yeah, the lyrics aren't anything like mind blowing, you know, now maybe as time goes on and, and we get to know these songs better and maybe remember the lyrics, you know, off the tops of our heads at the show or something like that. It's like, Oh, you know what? That's actually a pretty good line. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think I think you know it. Maybe it could be a little bit better. Um, I don't think it's crap by any means. No, I agree. And you know, we'll see. I mean, the overarching like scope of this record is pretty deep and ambitious. The seventy-two seasons theme, right? Right. So you know, there's room to be surprised. I mean, there's you know what twelve more songs we haven't heard. So mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Well, there we go. Thank you for the uh, honest email, Danny. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the tunes and seeing if this uh, kind of grows on. Because, you know, this isn't lyrically. By, oh, by the way, great lyric on Hardwired, Dream No More. Oh, yeah, Dream No More is good. Probably the best. But, you know, one thing we didn't really like that much on Hardwired at first were Kirk's solos. And they kind of really grew on us a lot. So, yeah, there's always room for that, too. I mean, hearing single songs plucked out of an entire body of work, they may fit well together as a full piece. Yeah. So there's also that to think about, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's of course it's easy having been Metallica fans most of our adult lives, or even as as teenagers. You know, now someone could be put on battery, and you're like, hell yeah, like you just love it. But you, but we've lived with that song most of our lives. You know, yeah. If you just put on Lux Eterna or 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 this new tune, it's like 
we, we, it, yeah, it, it's still new to me. Even when I was tracking the bass and programming the drums for it today, it was like, it was weird, it, you know, same with Lux Attorney. It was weird to sit down and like learn it and, and not be able to really remember it right away, you know, like as opposed to like, if I, if I learn a Metallica song from the Black Album that I've never learned before, chances are I'm going to remember that a lot better because that song has been ingrained in my brain since 1991. Right. So I'm hoping for the same with with this record. Yeah, it's like it's like great movies, great albums are like that too. They 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 kind of require time. Yeah. So that you can kind of figure out where they go and where they fit and, you know, everyone should just keep listening and enjoying it. And in the meantime, the production is wonderful. So like the, it's yeah. this is like a really pleasing song to listen to. Absolutely. So, all right, cool. Well, thanks for the email, dude. Yeah, thanks man. Thanks Danny. Next email's from Hunter Kimes. Hey guys, been listening to your pod for a while now. Literally one of the only only one I listen to. Love when you guys do deep cut dives in your commentary on the studio albums. Load and reload have a ton of ear candy hidden throughout. Amen. And I re- yeah, amen to that. That'll preach. <laughs> that'll uh, preach. <laughs> that'll preach, brother. Uh, and I really never noticed until I started listening to Melt Your Podcast. Well, hey, I'm the same way, man. I was casually a load and reload fan until me and Clint started doing this, and then I was like, fuck, I missed out on so much good stuff. And now I love it. You just needed me in your life, dude. Well, that's all I needed was a little Clint Wells. Because I always knew. I mean, I'm not bragging on myself, but I always knew. I knew when I was a kid. Speaking of baby making music, put on those records. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Nothing gets <laughs> the juices pumping like wasting my hate. I know, man. Um, anyways, Hunter goes on to say, uh, they've always been my two favorite albums of theirs, but even more so now that I've paid more attention to the details. Anyway, I'm emailing because I recently updated my iPhone and saw that Apple Music has a karaoke feature that will take the vocals away from songs. It works pretty well for the most part, and it really allows you to hear what's going on underneath uh, under Hetfield's vocals. The Unforgiven 2 and Bleeding Me are two prime examples that they really took the songs to a new level. Can't wait to hear what you guys have lined up for the upcoming year and for the new album. Peace and love, Hunter from Pennsylvania, and most definitely not New Jersey. Philly, Philly area, we don't enjoy New Jersey that much. Well... Listen, Hunter, I know you're on the border. You're, you're, you're probably near Camden or something, right? On the border of uh, New Jersey. It is interesting the people that like decide, that choose to be like, hey, I'm not going to do the New Jersey joke because we really hate them. It's like, right. <laughs> well, well, I have some news for Hunter. And, it's, and unfortunately, it's bad news. Hunter, um, if you live in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, that's New Jersey. Yeah, sorry. I, I hate to inform him also that wherever he goes and whatever he does, He'll be right there waiting for you in New Jersey. Right there waiting in New Jersey. All right, cool. Oh, oh he mentions this karaoke feature. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I listened to Lux Eternal with it. You can still kind of hear the vocal, but it is pretty wild. They use AI to like basically phase out the vocals. Yeah, it's so so wild. I, I have yet to update my phone to the new OS, so I haven't, I'll have. i do it tonight so I can actually experience this. <laughs> All right, James Nice writes in, Hey, fellas, James Nice here from Astoria, Oregon. Just wanted to reach out and give you all thanks. Started listening to your podcast, was searching for a heavy metal podcast, uh, as it relates to music theory, came across your show, and right off the bat, I've got to say thank you. I've always thought that I was one of the only ones out there that felt the way I do about Metallica. I bought the Black Album the year it came out. My, well, he says his grandma bought it for him. Hell yeah, way to go, grandma. Yeah, grandma. I was eight and absolutely hooked. Next, I purchased Kill 'Em All cassette, which happens to be the first thrash metal I'd ever heard. Didn't even know it was a thing and wasn't sure what to think. For my 12th birthday, my dad bought me Lightning, and that was it for me. I knew it was meant to be. Fade to Black came on, and I ended up listening to the song tens of times on repeat. I used to do that as a kid, too. I used oh, yeah. To, I, my little boombox, I mentioned on a previous episode that I used to go to sleep with my ear like right next to a boombox because uh, I didn't have like headphones that I could sleep in. Same. The CD player had like a couple of repeat features. Like One would repeat a whole CD, 
And then one would just repeat a song and I would go to sleep to fade to black, just repeating fade to black. Oh yeah, man. I love doing that. He says, I saw James Heffel with his then wife and kids at Disney World back in 2007 and since regretted having the decency to not go bug him. It will be a lifelong regret not shaking that man's hand and telling him about my journey through life with his band by my side the whole time, helping me through some of the toughest stuff in my life. Their music has literally saved my life a few times. Anyway, thanks again for putting this show out there. Seriously, also, St. Anger wasn't that bad of an album. You just have to listen to it right. First open the album cover, then throw it all in the fucking garbage. <laughs> what the F were they thinking? I've bought the album twice, CD and digital, not ashamed. He says top 10 for him. So here's his top 10. This is an interesting top 10. It really is. Number 10, just a bullet away, Beyond Magnetic Sauce. Number nine, Ronnie. Number eight, Blacken. Seven, Harvey. Six, Puppets. Five, Sanitarium. Four, Bells. Three, Seek. Two, Fade. One, Orion. He says Master of Puppets is for sure their best album. So there we go. We get a little introduction here into uh our new friend james nice well is, and listen he lives in a nice place called astoria oregon i've been there yeah same that's where they, that's where they filmed the goonies oh nice little, little goonies fun fact for you wow i love a good, a good goonies fun fact you gotta love it man it's awesome what were they called the fratellis what were the the, fr- the, the fratellis yeah fratellis yeah 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 for sure i got a great idea you guys slick shoes <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we got one more email, and then we're uh, going to get into this deep cut dive. That's right. Our next email, our last email, is from Joe Zappi. Says, "Sup, dudes. Sup. I just re- sup. I just recently listened to the Some Kind of Monster commentary episodes, and was curious how, if at all, the film has influenced your opinion on Saint Anger. I, for one, liked and understood the album a little better afterwards, and it proves that Metallica's worst album is still better than most bands' best albums." Thanks, as always, for your awesomeness and all that you do. Joe from Walkertown, North Carolina, New Jersey. First of all, it is not better than most bands' best albums. I, I just got to disagree with that. Just going to say that. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with Mr. Joe Zappi. I mean, what does he mean? It's better than most bands' best albums? I, mean, I, I wonder if he meant to say better than most, most bands' worst albums. I don't know. Or maybe he's, that's what he's trying to say. I mean, listen, I can tell you this. I consider American Idiot Green Day's best album overall. Okay. You like that more than Dookie, huh? I do think American Idiot is better than Dookie. I mean, Dookie is a monster record, of course. It's it was it changed a lot of stuff in music in 1994. But I'm going to go ahead and say that that uh, American Idiot is better than Saint Anger. Yeah, I'm sorry, it just is. If you, it, I mean, you have Boulevard of Broken Dreams on there, Holiday, a lot of great songs. So. I'm going to have to disagree with you, my friend. Okay, so we can move past that. He's saying, did watching the documentary change it? I mean, it did. For I mean, the documentary helps you understand yes. that this is a, one of the greatest bands ever that was on the very edge of being destroyed. Right. And from the inside, you know, like James, James, who was the engine of the band, almost blew the whole thing up. You know, his life got right. blown up. Jason left. And the material is born at that band when they were at their weakest exactly yeah for sure and now i i get it so it's an aa kind of record because it's all about him being sober and you know him, him love is control and him trying to control jason and he you know he's going deep into the he was the invisible kid he's dealing with this i'm madly in anger with you dealing with issues of anger where to put the anger i think the pinnacle of the album lyrically is the unnamed feeling mm-hmm. where he's even you know i mean i'm tracing a thread right now to screaming suicide where he's He's trying to name this unnamed thing. He's trying to exercise it and talk about it so that he can work through it. I get it all. I love all that. I think the documentary is one of the greatest pictures of a band in crisis ever. Yeah. It might be the best ever. Yeah. And I 
understand and have talked for years now about the spiritual significance of them having to make that record to be here where they are now. So mm-hmm. I'm not confused about any of that, but it doesn't make me like the songs more. No, you're right. It doesn't make me like the songs more either. But, uh, you know, with his question, yeah, watching Some Kind of Monster as many times as I've watched it, because that's always a good road movie. Big time. Um, you know, it, 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 it gives such a huge look behind the curtain of Metallica. It made Sane Anger and the sounds of it, the lyrics of it, the process of it all make sense. You know, it's like, well, no wonder they made this record, you know? Yeah, and it's bad news, you know? It's like, things were not good. I mean, James goes away for like nine months. Yeah. And they're going through this really painful process of like, really for the first time, learning how to talk to each other as as men, as adults, as dads. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much going on that doesn't have anything to do with the music. And it just collided with a weird time in music where I think they were looking around at the landscape and looking at the Lincoln Parks and the... Limp Biscuits and the System of a Downs, and I think they were just trying to figure out where they fit with that. Yeah, for sure. And they've always been explorers. They've always kept moving. That they're the the U two of metal. They're the Beatles of metal. And like, you know, people need to understand about U two that they made Boy October and War. And by the time they made War, everyone the world was starting to catch on to this U two thing. Yeah. And then they made a record called The Unforgettable Fire, which is very different, very ambient, big soundscapes. And then they. They followed that up with probably, well, their first masterpiece, The Joshua Tree. Yes, masterpiece for sure. Which is just one of the greatest records ever made from every standpoint, lyrically, musically, the parts, the production. And then after that, they did Octune Baby, which is completely different. Yeah. And all the records they made in the 90s are very strange. And very strange, yeah. then they made all that you can't leave. But, you know, Metallica's like that too. They're going to make. You know, they're going to make puppets and they're going to make justice. They're going to go to the black album, the load and reload. They're going to do an album with the symphony, blah, blah, blah. And I do think St. Anger was part of the extension of them being true artists who are willing to explore. Yes. But here's the deal. Not all of those experiments work. And I think it failed. I think it failed as an album. And you have to, you have to go through that experiment to see if it will succeed or fail. You know, and maybe during the maybe during the recording or the mixing, maybe they knew like, wow, this is this is not our best work, but we got to see it through. Um, but yeah, a lot of times you have to walk through that fire to find out yeah. if it's going to work or not. The only way out is through. And so that's the deal. And look, man, I know that there are a lot of people out there who really love that record and love the songs, and I'm I'm not trying to take away from that the joy of it for people. And like, I, right. I love that. I, I've heard James say this. You know, I, if you're asking little old me. Do I even think James looks back and likes that record? The answer, I think, is no. Yeah. But I've heard him say, and I think he's right. And, you know, he wrote all that. But I've heard him say, hey, you know, this record really found its people. And it's mm-hmm. it matters to people. And that's what art is. That's what art does. Yeah. You know, I don't have to agree with it. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lulu found its people, you know. Lulu found one or two people out there who <laughs> I think are mostly deaf. But, yeah, it found a few people. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, thanks everyone for the emails. I'm excited to get this guitar in my hands and start working through uh, this new song. So we're going to take a break, listen to the Patreon commercial. If you're willing and able, you can hop on the ride. Most people do five bucks a month. It goes a long way. It really adds up and it helps us do things like this party that we just threw, which by the way, shout out to Ethan Luck for making sure the party landed and was great. I had the most FOMO of my life and uh, I know. you know, I, I, everyone was real sweet and reached out and all I heard was great stuff about the party. Yeah, it was a really good time. Yeah, and, and if uh, if you, anybody out here hasn't hasn't dipped in, uh, Dave Ferraro was kind enough while he was in town to sit down with me at HQ One and kind of do a recap of the night. So check that out if you haven't. We miss Clint dearly. That only means that next year is going to be even better with him there. We actually have something planned. Uh, well, we're in the talks about 
another party maybe sooner than later. It's in the works, so schedule permitting, of course. And we've got something maybe maybe we're kind of trying to cook up with one Mr. Jay Weinberg, but we're going to let everyone yeah. uh, wonder what that is. Let's kick it to the uh, Patreon commercial, and then we're going to come back and, and burn down Screaming Suicide. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Clint Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slang Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tales series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little. Yellow. Different. Let's get into this. So, one of the rare songs that is kind of camps out in F-sharp. So, you got your Lords of Summers. You've got your Man on Kinds. Yeah. No Remorse. If you go all the way back to when the band was good, according to Kerry King. That, yeah. Well, that was after they were good. Kill them all. Right. He, Kerry King would love the idea of Metallica just being relegated to the fucking, what, uh, what, do you, what is that circuit that you do, the Wacka circuit, where you just play like cafeterias all across yeah. the country? <laughs> Like I know, I know, Kerry King would really love to just hold Metallica in that spot where Dave Mustaine's their guitar player. Yeah, but I can't get on board with that. So anyway, I gotta say I like Metallica and F Sharp. I really do like it. Yeah, it's a great kind of change, new tone. And then of course when they do it a half step down uh, live, it's kind of gets even heavier. So yeah, for sure, for sure. I saw you actually uh, chimed in on someone on Twitter that responded to one of our our, our tweets. It's kind of saying the same thing, like, I love when Metallica does F-sharp, and you had suggested a couple of the songs for me to check out. Well, the, I mean, look, I'm sure that or guy... Or just be reminded of. I'm sure that guy listens to the podcast, but I, I thought he had a little snark to him, and he said, I've been wanting Metallica to make songs in F-sharp for years. And I'm like, well, I mean, are you paying attention? Because... Yeah, there are some. They have done that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Which he was, he came back and was cool. He's like, yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about it. But uh, And I, I wasn't trying to be snarky in my response to him, but I did kind of think, like, well, they have... You know, maybe you should check out this song. It's like uh, I just did those shows with Morgan. You know, we were like down in Florida for five days and she'd send us a text because, you know, we always joke about this. Someone's like, please come to Florida. Oh, yeah. It's like it's always the day after you leave. Always. <laughs> it's like we were there, baby. Just then could it could have used you. Wait till we play our second sold out show at the Ryman. The next day when we're in Atlanta, Morgan's going to message. When are you going to play the Ryman? I know. I know. When are you going to headline there? All right, so this is how this is going to work. We have pre-recorded all this, which shout out to Ethan for doing all the drums and the bass. It sounds fantastic. I've got a guitar in my hand so we can sort of talk through what's going on. But what I'm mostly going to be 
referencing and playing are like pre-recorded stems. And once again, all of these stems will be available. So um, if you have any questions or anything, but I'm kind of going to walk through this map. The song is about five and a half, six minutes long. And it's fairly circuitous. There's kind of a lot going on. Yeah. And it's that great hardwired sounding crunchy James stuff that I love. So it kind of starts. This is the rhythm part, obviously. And I like how it turns around real quick up here. That's where you instantly get one of those extra long measures. You got Kirk with the wah guy. Pretty standard Kirky wah stuff. Yeah, but it's it's real. It, when that comes in on the intro, to me, it's like it's real smooth sounding. It's not like, you know, sometimes he'll click on the wah for like a lead and he's doing something like a real fast down the neck and it's it's a little harsh, I guess. Um, yeah. This just feel it fits really well on this intro. Yeah, I mean, and everything feels real locked in. This is a great intro. It's very powerful. It announces itself. Once you burn through that kind of first section, there's a bit of what I'm calling like a blues intro where it's double with James. So James is doing this low octave. Oh, I love that resolves. Back to the F sharp. Yeah, it's a great moment. The drums are like locked in with it too. This is what it sounds like with all of them together. So we'll listen to this real quick. Well, actually, here's the intro with just the guitars. Okay, so we can get a sense of that. This is actually kind of rare in Metallica is the rhythm is doubled, right? You've got the left and the right. Mm -hmm. And when they both start playing these leads and stuff, they keep those doubled rhythms in. Yeah. Which is interesting because they kind of do a re-intro for the outro and they don't do that. When James plays the low part and Kirk does the high part, those are the only guitars except for the bass. Right, totally. So it's just an interesting choice. that they're And, and it's part of why the song sounds so thick and meaty is they keep these yeah. rhythm guitars in there. It really sounds big, man. Here's the lead by itself. <laughs> It's kind of got a bit of a voodoo child thing. It's very, very bluesy, pentatonic, very simple. Yeah. But cool. I, I was about to say, oh man, is that Jimi Hendrix playing over there? <laughs> yeah, Jimi Hendrix guessed it on the new album. They didn't. Hell uh, yeah. They didn't want to, you know, cause a big stir. But yeah, he was on there. <laughs> Here's where everything's together, and I got to commend Ethan here on the the drum sound great and uh, the bass sounds great. So here's everything together. <laughs> I love when the, when uh, Rob's bass joins them on that walk down. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds great. And they've got those rhythm guitars and they're going with that. 
He's doing a lot of those uh, in this song, especially. There's a lot of those, and we talked about some looks at Turner, where it's like you're playing the top two notes of the power chord. That's a big feature of the main riff. What I'm calling the main riff. Um, yeah. There's three kind of main riffs, but the 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 first one, he's definitely doing that the um, A and the D strings. We talked about this when we did uh, the Attitude Deep Cut Dodge, the last track on Reload. Yeah, is when he's grabbing these. There's a lot of no pun intended attitude in how he's grabbing them. Like he's not going, he's not doing like, he's not sliding. He's grabbing these. Yeah. Yeah. It just really, it cuts really well and it adds that aggression to it, you know? Like, yeah, you could play that with, like, the low note power chord thing. It'd be a little, probably tougher to play. But, yeah, there's just, like, an angst to it. You know, there's a, there, like you said, there's an attitude. Yeah, and it sounds great. And, and when Kirk comes in to double it, you know, the only thing that's really different is his tone's a little different. So, you know, he does, he's not really doing any kind of inversions. In fact, the only time rhythmically that he does something different is in one of the bridges, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But here is the main riff. So here's the main riff with everything. <laughs> I'm enjoying the double kick in there. I actually programmed it a little bit louder than I was hearing it on the record. It's it's pretty subtle on the record. His his single kicks are always like just big old thuds. And on this one, I, I don't know if he played it a little bit lighter or Greg mixed it a little bit lower, but it's it's you can hear it. It's audible, obviously, but it's definitely not that you know typical metal record where it's like perfectly quantized. Just every kick sounds the same on a you know. I like that little little nugget about it. Yeah, they're nice little flourishes that kind of harken back to the speed metal stuff. Yeah. Here's my only criticism, really, of the entire song, and it's really small, is, you know, James introduces what I'm calling the main riff. Right? So he does it by himself. You've got that hat. I love that kind of open hat keeping time, right? Yeah. And then there's that big snare roll into, and so then the band comes in, it feels great. They double it's it. It's long. And when they do it the second time, they don't add any new information. There's even like, if, even if Kirk was going just like, you know, just something. Yeah, I was kind of expecting, uh, even today, uh, even if I heard the song, you know, whatever, 10 times now, when I was tracking the bass, I was like, man, Rob is just riding that F sharp. Like, yeah. he plays F sharp a ton on this song. A lot of people might say, oh, that's kind of, it's kind of boring, you know, but. He's holding down the low end. I think it's fitting in a lot of places. I almost wish in that in that double in, uh, intro riff or uh, main riff that maybe it's halfway through he started playing it with them or something. You know, some little sauce. So he's just pedaling the F sharp. That's what you're saying. Instead of him yeah, doing da 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 Exactly. Yeah, he just da 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 pretty much the whole time. The songwriter in me just wants to cut it in half. Yes, agreed. And if you're going to do, yeah, so if you're going to do something that feels like the information needs to change a little bit, which they're normally really great at. Even doing like a, even that second time, even if Lars went like halftime, kind of like in fuel, you know, on the da 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 da, you know, if they did halftime, maybe that would, that would have changed. I don't know. That part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this goes into the, the verse riff, which I love. It reminded me of, um, it reminds me of the song Quiet by the Pumpkins. Do you know that song? Yes. Totally. So it's kind of like quiet. 
pretty fun to play. Yeah, man. It's a really fun riff to play. Here's what it sounds like with everybody having a good time. Just climbs real easy. I like those really tight, you know, ease in there. Yeah. That that to me is kind of a little punk element in there. That, that's very common, like a punk song is doing da 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 da. Now for me, the getting from that to the pre, the pre is so tight too. It, and I wonder if I do this on the second one, everyone will be able to hear the stems, but I wonder if one of them is going like not ah. not doing the full just doing the A string. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, now I kind of hope that's in there because I love that little, it's almost this like kind of seventh or diminished kind of thing. Yeah, it makes it, if you play the chord, you're putting that D sharp in there. Yeah, that's cool. But if one of the guitars is kind of doing the pure... It's just hard to do. It's hard to like move that fast and be clean. Yeah, for sure. So I wonder if one of them's doing it. This is what that part sounds like with everybody. Oh, well, here's just the guitars. Here's it with everything. The pre-chorus is one of my favorite parts of the song. Yeah, it's really badass. I love that. I, I, I just love going... It's almost like that blues trick of like you're in... You, you've got your root note, in this case, F sharp. And then a lot of times in blues music, you'll go up to the four chord, which in this case would be a B, but this is going up to D sharp. Yeah. It's kind of the root of that section, which I really dig. You know, James is just a master at putting great vocal hooks over these kinds of fast, frenetic riffs. And it's the listen well, you better listen well part. He repeats it. It's very, very hooky. Yeah, it totally is. And then the chorus kind of feels like slingshot. The chorus kind of, you know, when it's like... You know, like it's got this great growly, yeah, grabby thing. Um, this is what the guitars to the chorus sound like with everything. And back into the main riff. I'm telling you, man, breaking down songs like this. Just it, 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 like even just right now, like hearing that, hearing these things soloed, just makes me start to love the song even more. And then you get a little, they double that up and you get a Kirk moment that's over the turnaround. So here's the turnaround. Uh, here's the solo by itself. Here's what it sounds like with everything. feels like what they should have done in the first round you know like yeah you know if you're going to double it up put a solo over it yeah something yeah some kind of change in that in that double part at the beginning so then they do and the, the basically verse two pre-chorus two chorus two is exactly the same lyrics are different mm -hmm. 
He's evolving the story, telling the story, but they pretty much keep all of that intact. And it's after Chorus 2 that we get what I call the main riff 2, which is a variation of the main riff. Yeah. So again, the main riff. Here's main riff 2. It goes... Love it. I like how Rob comes in a little early on yeah, that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's and and man, this is this is like the most chuggy repetitive F sharp for old Rob Trujillo. Yeah. But he comes in a little early, like you said, bass is a little bit distorted, which I kind of did with the tone. And he stays up high until like that next session comes in and then just goes to the octave low, you know, which some people might find that boring, but I like that he just, he, he kind of gets down, adds a little more meat and potatoes to it. For playing one note, I think it's pretty cool. And for him to do those kind of fast eighth notes with his fingers. Yeah, I'm assuming, he, he, I mean, he primarily plays with his fingers. I think there's a couple songs he might play with a pick, but right. I mean, he's, he's a badass bass player. This is not fast for him. And it's similar to the intro where it's like, the you know, everything comes down except James, and James sort of introduces it, then the band comes in. Those moments feel so good. The recording is so good that when Rob and Lars and Kirk, second guitar, come in, mm-hmm. even though they're just repeating that riff, it sounds great. So... They do riff two, main riff two, four times uh, with the band, and then we get the first solo, and the solo is over that same riff. Right. There is a few interesting things that are different. Like I think he ends the phrase. He ends it by going, and he hits that exact moment with the solo, and I think the drums accent it too. It's like I don't know if that was a happy accident or something, but it's a really small yeah. little change. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting, the solo is sort of split in between, uh, I guess what we're calling a bridge. There's like a singing part. Yes, and a spoken word part. The terrified part. Well, the spoken word part, I think, is a little later. Oh, that's true. That is. Yeah, that's the uh, my lion voice inside. Uh, this is the, what does he say? Terrified in sleepless nights. Exactly. Caught in the spotlight, dead to rights, isolate and fight your mind, telling you you're left behind. And then there's another, another solo with a slightly different rhythm. <laughs> Here's what's interesting about the back to half of that is more staccato. They make it really staccato, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah. And then to wrap the solo up, they hit this diamond, this F sharp. And then for the first and only time in the song, they go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is the only time they do the C to a B and then E. So we're going to hear all of that together, and then we're going to hear the solo together. But I want everyone to just be able to hear the um, just the rhythm of the solo. That's when it does that to the E. 
Yeah. Uh, but you can hear like the the new rhythm, the new kind of riff, and then how they on the back half of it they do that more staccato. They they hit they sting it together. Yeah, totally. Which is interesting. Now here's the solo. As usual, when we do these solos, uh, you're going to hear the actual recording panned left, and you're going to hear my solo panned right, and then we're going to hear what the solo sounds like just by itself. And again, all of these stems are going to be available. So here is the solo. It's me on the right, Metallica on the left. Here it is. Trying to do, trying to do that with that kind of chaos thing at the end. Yeah, I think. I mean, it sounds like he's kind of using a little bit of his whammy bar there. Which it looks like in the video, he actually does this in the Four Horsemen. Um, there's a line where it goes, where he's. I don't know what you call that scale, but you know, you can hear it. Uh, here's the solo by itself, and you can kind of hear some of the sauce. Okay. By the way, this the really fast part. I'm not sure that's correct. That's just as close as I could get without like there being tab out there. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's not actually super correct and I'm doing it a little cleaner than him. Anyway, you're going to hear it right now. Here's the solo by itself. And then coming up here is Solo 2 with the old Kirk Womit Wah special. It really is that Four Horsemen uh, intro lick, or not intro lick, the intro of the solo. Yeah, it's that. It's that. Yeah, I think it's that scale that he's doing, but it's it's a little less like um, intentional sounding. It's a little more just chaos. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, after solo number two, which has that new riff, we get uh, it's kind of a like just nice chugging moment, which is James. And then we get a new thing, and these are big diamonds. Diamonds are basically whole notes. Where and th- this is kind of an interesting load reload sauce. Where James is doing this right here, and Kirk is doing the chords that are kind of like this. Yeah, very cool. This is what they sound like together. (laughs) 
And then we go into what I'm calling verse three, but it's not really a verse. And once again, the riff is different. And then right into a chorus. Yeah, that's that, that's a, it's a really cool little surprise riff they put in there, you know, for, on that chuggy floor tom part. Here's what it sounds like with everything. Back into the chorus. The only thing different about chorus three is they double up on the scratchy stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's real t- like tough sounding there. We go into main riff, what I'm calling main riff two. They do that for a while. It's the outro riff, and there's fun little pick scrape in there. Band comes in, they do that. This is the uh, now that I'm exposed. The him buttoning it up where he says, "Now that I've exposed this thing, mm-hmm. it's gone." And then they go back into the uh, the kind of bluesy reintro. Yeah, yeah, which sounds like a diss. <laughs> I love that, and I, that, that's another one where you know Rob obviously goes up to the the higher octave than the last one. But I love how he starts on the on the low F sharp, going down to the E, and then does the chromatic thing after that. It really feels good. Very cool. I love that. It just it just has some pocket to it when it goes to that high F sharp to end the song. And well, that's that. I mean, that's those are all the riffs. Those are the drums and the bass. Um, yeah. Well, great job on all the guitar stuff, dude. Thank you, man. You too on the uh, the drums and the bass. All these stems are going to be be available. Uh, they're going to be available on Patreon for probably the first several weeks, and then we're going to make them available to everybody. But just another little perk over there at Patreon, especially for you music nerds over there. Yeah, for sure. Just like with all of these songs, I mean, learning it this way made me appreciate it and like it more, getting inside mm-hmm. of it. These guys are excellent at what they do. I mean, they really are. Yeah, they really are. I mean, for you know, I remember the, the very first listen through, which really for me was while we recorded the other day. Um, the song sounds very simple, and there are simplicities to it. But there are so many little nuggets, like an extra measure here, extra measure there. All of a sudden, oh, this one time, we're just going to change this little thing. You know, so there are these little complexities, you know, almost kind of hidden within it, you know, behind or really in plain sight, but you don't notice them at first. This sounds like old man stuff, but like, it's got to be hard to remember it. Like when you think about James up there, first of all, he's just such a great performer, just a great Mm -hmm. front man commanding a stadium. This song is going to be one of 15 or 18 that they play. And just remembering all those little things, you know, getting yeah. those little things right. They're just so, they're such masters at that. They absolutely are, man. And, you know, obviously, you know, you can sit down and really practice this stuff. But I mean, when this is, you know, this is a brand new record, brand, you know, brand new songs you're playing live, you know, you, you know, does, does James need to practice Master Puppets? Probably not. Right. You know, but this kind of stuff, it's like, I, I love watching them debut new songs or even just play, play new songs on, you know, throughout a tour just because you see that excitement of like playing something new and fresh for everybody. Right. You know, and uh, and oftentimes, sometimes they might nail that new stuff more because they're yeah. they're a little more laser focused on like don't fuck it up. You know, like you, there's some probably some grace and, or forgiveness there when you when you mess up a little thing on creeping death or something. Yeah, 
Because you've played it so many times. I'll tell you what it makes me appreciate, aside from the new stuff, is it makes me appreciate them playing all that death magnetic material. God, yeah, that stuff is gnarly. <laughs> because, I mean, you and I have even sort of jokingly talked about, like, when we approach those for the deep cut dives, just how gnarly it's going to be because... I know, I flip a coin. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, um, those songs don't let up, man. Those songs are... that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, like, speaking of, like, St. Anger kind of being on this journey with it where I'm kind of I'm kind of on the outs with it a little bit as an album. Death Magnetic I just love more and more. I just I know. like appreciate it and kind of am in all of it more so than I've ever been. And I still think it's kind of overlooked when you, you know, especially when you kind of call it, you know, a sister record to Justice. You it know, is. You know, or you you know, you hear those people just in wherever forums or comment sections that are like, "Man, they haven't made a whatever record since Justice." It's like, "Well, you haven't heard Death Magnetic then." For sure. I like you haven't heard it. Or, or really sat down with it because that is a complex record when we did the shortest straw deep cut dive because i was on guitar for that one i actually went through all the deep cuts of death magnetic before that and i was like hey, i'm gonna wait on that yeah <laughs> like it's in, it's intimidating my theory is that the reason that album is the juggernaut it is in terms of complexity the parts a kind of a return to the justice type of progressive thrashy stuff mm-hmm. is I think that that was them responding to St. Anger. I think they, yeah, I, I think they got some distance from it. I don't think it was up to their standards. And I think they were like, you know what we need to remind, it may have even been, been self-conscious. I would love to talk to James about it, obviously, but I think that they, they were saying, you know what we need to remind the world and the metal community, maybe like the people that are kind of poking fun at us or the people that, that kind of kicked us when we were down, which I'm not a fan of that album, but I never kicked them when they were down. Yeah. And uh, when I talk critically about the album, it comes from love. So I'm not I'm not trying to like, you know, besmirch that era. But um, of course, I think I think they were like, you know what? This is for everyone who forgot who the fuck we were. And yeah. that's what they delivered to the world. And I think Kirk was one of the ones on that record that kind of like screamed that the loudest. Too. The solos are absolutely wonderful all around yeah. Death Magnetic. Yeah. Coming from a record where he was com- you know, coming in like, hey, when am I going to track my solos? Like, oh, by the way. We're not doing solos in this record. And then all of a sudden, you know, fast forward to 2008 and it's like, all right, well, I wrote some cool shit. Check this out. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right. Well, thanks for everyone for bearing with us. We love you guys out there. Thanks for all the support. Um, We'll see you all over the socials, of course, in Discord. If you want to join Discord, uh, the link will be below in the bio. We have new Load inspired, Load and 72 Seasons inspired merch. It's kind of a hybrid. Yeah kind of a hybrid bringing two eras together as we want to do and uh be looking out for going supernova and uh what else should we tell the people do we have every is everything buttoned up now I think everything's buttoned up man i mean we're just you know we're just in 72 seasons land we're excited for the record to come out we're uh we are we're hitting the road with morgan again for a long ass tour in about a month That's so right. that'll be fun we'll be we'll be doing some more um uh what do we call this again turn the turn page, the page yeah turn the page yeah get some more johnny sword sauce Oh, Johnny Sword. I mean, people, the, the people have spoken at the end of 2022, and then they want more Johnny Sword. Well, listen, we appreciate you out there. Uh, even if you can't join us on Patreon, you can leave a positive review, and we're just glad that all of you listen. You know, um, if you want to tag us on your social media, we usually retweet and re- repost everything. Ethan and I try to stay engaged with everybody over there. We love hearing from everybody. And of course, the easiest way, most direct way to get your thoughts read on the show is to write in metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. So we're going to let everyone go home. Enjoy your week. Enjoy uh, Screaming Suicide. Enjoy 72 Seasons. We'll see you on that flip flop. Peace. Adios. <laughs> Advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>